It's Sunday morning. Time for the Great Outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio as we do the last February show of 2023. Hard to believe how quickly winter can go by, although winter seems to be lingering around depending on where you live. Uh, Once again, February in many parts of the country proved to be a much more challenging month than January. Seems to be a pattern here. Uh, I want to talk this morning at the beginning of the show about something that you may or may not agree with. Uh, I'm just simply offering some thoughts. And if you agree with my thoughts, great. If you don't, um, that's fine, too. I'm just offering thoughts. And my thoughts are this. I spent my much of my life in the conservation and agriculture arena. Uh, and I wonder as a conservationist and as someone in agriculture, where we're headed with a landscape of windmills to generate power and to a less extent, a landscape of solar to to create power. So let's just talk about wind for a second. If you drive across Illinois, the great prairie state at night, particularly west of Chicago out into DeKalb County and on west of the Mississippi, it is almost seems like an endless landscape of bright red lights. And I don't understand how we have enabled ourselves to be put in a position where across America, viewscapes are being destroyed by windmills. And I say that with understanding that we're trying to get to alternative energy, but I also say that with a firm belief that we may well regret where we're putting a lot of these windmills. We've done it without thought to migratory bird populations, and we certainly have done it without thought to the visual horizon. Drive across the American West today, and again, particularly at night, You just see red lights everywhere, it seems. Drive across during the day, and you come up over a beautiful butte looking to the horizon, and there are windmills staring you in the face. Go to the beautiful mesas of Texas, South Texas in particular, West Texas, where there's a lot of wind. And you, um, you look across these beautiful vistas, and what do you see? you see windmills. Your beautiful vista is destroyed. Instead of having a view to the horizon and mountains or buttes or desert, you got windmills going around and around. And how long is this going to last? Again, I, I say this this morning more to have people, more to have all of you think about where this is headed. Not saying it's right or wrong, but where is it headed? What kind of a of a country do we have where our some of our most beautiful natural elements are being 
marred forever, at least for the next 30 years, with windmills. It is to be noted that windmill farms weren't very popular off the East Coast where people would look at them, yet they seem to be very popular in the Midwest where we have to look at them, or they're popular in the Intermountain West where there aren't a lot of people, but the vistas are incredible and you have to look at them. Go around Denver, windmills everywhere. So one question is, do we give any thought to where we're putting these from the point of view of both environmental impact, its impact particularly on birds, we, we believe, although we don't know conclusively, we believe that windmills can take a terrible toll on migratory birds. And do we think about where we're putting them when we start ruining some of the greatest natural vistas this continent has to offer? And then there's something else that I think we ought to be thinking about. Texas has a law called Orphan Fund. It's the Orphan Fund, and it came out of the oil industry. The person who discovered oil and put up the well, well, they did pretty well. They sold that well to the next person, and he or she did pretty well, or that company did pretty well. Eventually, though, the well peters out, and it's abandoned. And who pays for that cleanup? The state of Texas years ago said when a well is drilled, there's going to be money put aside because eventually that well is going to cease operating, and there's money, it's called the Orphan Fund, to um, fix the well. Cap it, remove it, get it off the landscape. Well, what about with solar energy? And what about with wind? Where are the reserve funds to take down these windmills when they're no longer functioning and clean up the land? If you're an, an agriculture, a landowner, and you've made a lease to have a windmill on your farm or have a big windmill farm, and it's generally these are 20, 25-year leases, what happens at the end? 25 years ends, and we do not know the lifespan of these windmills. They, they appear to be getting longer, but the early windmills have a terrible record of having any kind of longevity. So what happens when your agreement's up and you've got two or 300 acres of windmills on your farm that aren't producing anything. Your farm is useless. But there's no orphan fund to clean it up. So you're the landowner. The last person owning these windmills is probably some LLC, limited liability company or something, which only owns those windmills. They shut down. There's, there's no recourse. We've given absolutely no thought to what is going to happen when these windmills stop turning or when they just simply cease to be viable. It may be that within the next 25 years, there'll be alternative energy to wind mills, and, and these windmills won't be working. What's going to happen then? Also, what's happening with all the roads being built across the American West? We are putting roads in places where there's never been a road to put up windmills. We're destroying habitat that's never been fragmented. If you're in the cattle business and you want to put a road in to get to some lease that you have and it's in sage grouse habitat you have to go through all kinds of permits and chances are you're not going to get that road if you're in the windmill business you just put the road in and away you go so i think we we have some issues here that we really have not thought through very well long term and i'm all for i'll be i've said it many times i'm all for us having the cleanest, best environment we possibly can. 
We owe it to our children to leave the world a better place than we found it. I think that's a, an obligation that I personally take very seriously. And certainly we've got lots of issues with pollution, but we have less pollution in America today than we did 50 years ago. We've done so much to clean up our environment. Other areas of the world, not so much. But as we move to this quote-unquote renewable energy, we better think about what's renewable and what's not. And, and the, the reality is there wouldn't be a windmill or a solar farm going up anywhere in America if it wasn't for the huge tax subsidies that are being offered as incentives. On a standalone capitalistic basis, not a chance of windmills going up, particularly in Illinois. But because of the huge government subsidies to drive this industry, it makes sense. It makes sense for now. But again, I come back to what's going to be the cleanup cost when these windmills don't work? And where is the money coming from? Why does Illinois, for instance, or why does not every state have a mirror orphan fund that the oil and gas industry has? Why are we afraid of doing that? Maybe because the costs will be that much higher and it will make that much less sense? I don't know, but I'm simply saying we need an orphan fund in every single state where a windmill's going up because eventually they're not going to run, and who's going to pay to take them down? Also, we really need to review where they're going, how is it affecting migratory birds, and, and how is it simply affecting our quality of life? Do you want to look at blinking red lights for the rest of your life all the way to the horizon or during the day, watch these things turn? I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just simply saying we ought to ask these questions before we just quickly hand out a permit. And across the American West, permits are being handed out almost before the ink is dry. And all of a sudden, people are beginning to say, wait a minute, I don't want that in my backyard any more than the people in Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard wanted it in their backyard. So I'm simply raising the issue, what's the life of a windmill? What's the life of solar panels? How are we going to clean them up when they're gone? What do they do for birds and big game corridors? What about all these roads that are cutting across country that's never been cut up before? What about species like the sage grouse, which are surely impacted by this and being put on the endangered species list, which is tying the hands of ranchers and farmers across the West? There's a lot to digest here, but before we just go off a cliff, which we seem to be doing, I think we ought to ask these questions. And if we can answer them in a way that says, this is good for us, and we thought about these, Let's build them all day long if it makes the world a better place. But until we have, we are actually creating some problems we're not planning for. I'll be back in just a moment with much more on the Great Outdoors Show. And when I do, I'm going to talk about, well, one of my favorite subjects, government overreach. In this case, the Bureau of Land Management. So I hope you're enjoying the show. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. 
Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And if you're just joining me, welcome to the show. If you've been with me for the show, thanks for listening. As always, I'm going to switch gears from the subject of wind farms and solar energy and and some of the things we might want to think about as we move down this path to a subject that is really, really getting in the craw of a lot of people west of the Mississippi. If you live in Illinois, we, we actually, I don't even think we have a Bureau of Land Management acre in Illinois, or if we do, it's, it's pretty small. We have very little forest service land. Wisconsin's got a lot of forest service land. Minnesota does, etc. The further west you go, the more public lands there are. We all know that. Some states like Wyoming and Idaho are largely public lands, and they're largely Bureau of Land Management lands. The Bureau of Land Management for decades has been continuously restricting the use of traditional users, in this case, ranchers for livestock, livestock, to use BLM, Bureau of Land Management, properties for grazing. There's a group, which I think is a pretty nefarious group, called Western Watersheds. And when I say nefarious, I, I don't mean that in any kind of slanderous way, so please don't sue me, Western Watersheds, which is what, what Western Watersheds does. When I say nefarious, I just mean they have an agenda that is maybe not consistent with traditional values in the American West. And that agenda says there should be no cows on Bureau of Land Management lands. There should be no cows on Forest Service lands. And we should sue every single time the Bureau of Land Management redoes a land lease with a rancher who may have been there in his family since the West was settled 140 or 50 years ago. These leases, in many cases, go back to the rights to use the land as statehood. Western Watershed is a litigious group. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but it's a group that sues the Bureau of Land Management and the Forest Service to restrict the ability of ranchers to run cattle on the landscape. And what we're seeing increasingly in the West, particularly with the Bureau of Land Management, is we're seeing that they are afraid of Western Watershed's lawsuits, and therefore they're, be, they're continuously restricting ranchers' historical rights, not based on science, but based on the fear of litigation. And that's the wrong way to run an agency. The American West has had cattle on it since it was settled. That's just a fact of life. In recent times, cattle usage has actually become a far, far greater uh, managed usage than it ever was with the ability of of modern technology and satellite imagery and all kinds of ways to create water that was not created in the West through wells and managing springs and fencing. There's all kinds of tools available to the modern American rancher that were not available that long ago. So the cattle are actually having a lower impact on the land. And if cattle 
were to be removed from Bureau of Land Management lands, you think your your beef is expensive now? <laughs> I, I can't even begin to imagine how much the cost of beef would go up because the size of the herd of cattle in America would decline precipitously. But aside from that, cattle grazing, because we don't have buffalo anymore, cattle grazing is one way that we can control fires and one way to manage the land. Buffalo did that. If we were to take all the cattle off the BLM lands or tremendously restrict them, as Western watersheds and other anti-use groups would like to do, then we would see an, an unbelievable outbreak even further of fires as grass would be left dead and dead grass burned. So Western watersheds and the groups like them, it's easy to understand why they're popular and why lots of people in urban areas send the money. Not a lot of people in rural America send Western watersheds and the other anti-BLM usage groups money. But it's easy to. Oh, cattle ranchers are destroying the American West. Look what they're doing to sage cows. Look what's happened to antelope. Look what's happened to elk. Look what's happening to, to our streams. There's certainly always ways to improve, and there are always bad actors. But overall, the ranchers of the American West know an awful lot more about the land on which their cattle graze than any bureaucrat in any Bureau of Land Management office anywhere. I don't care whether they're sitting in... Sheridan, Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Colorado, Idaho, the rancher on that land every day knows what's going on. And they are not going to destroy their grazing land because then their cattle would have nothing to eat the next year. So this premise that is often fostered is that ranchers are terrible stewards of the land, they overgraze the land, is, is largely doesn't have a foundation. Because if a rancher denuded his grazing lands, then what's he going to do next year or the year after? Ranchers are into sustainable grazing. The BLM should be in the business of managing its lands for both management of habitat and for wildlife. And it's moving ever more away from that and into lock it up, throw away the key, don't let anybody go there. And Oh, if we have a wildfire, well, that's too bad. It just burned a lot of sagebrush. We won't grow back for the next 100 years. So I think the Bureau of Land Management, unfortunately, has gotten off track in a lot of ways. There's some absolutely wonderful people who work there. But the Bureau of Land Management has to recognize multi-use is the future of America. But the bedrock use of BLM lands is cattle ranching. That has been and will be for a long time. And it should not keep capitulating to those people who live in places far removed from the land who just think the land should have nothing on it. And maybe someday the Buffalo will come again. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week with much more on the great outdoors. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Have a great week in the great outdoors. This is Charlie Potter on the outdoor voice of Chicago and America 720 WGN.